I'm really, really pushing my boundaries in terms of last names. <laughs> Mohamed? Mohamed? Okay. <laughs> um, Sonia is passionate about the arts, access, history, and advocacy. Sonia and I used to work together um, and is a coordinator at Diversity Arts Australia. Uh, and it's a place where she can combine all these um, interests and passions that she has. Uh, born in the USA, you'll hear it soon when she speaks. <laughs> um, to an Iranian father and an Italian mother, Sonia was always aware that she was never fully here or there or anywhere for that matter. And now she's here in Sydney. <laughs> um, especially when her parents were fiercely attached to their cultural identities. So we invite Sonia to come on stage and talk about her experience being mixed race. Sonia. I love talking about my parents. They are my greatest source of love, humor, wisdom, and anxiety. My Baba and my Mama met in the 70s when they were 19-year-olds studying in the UK. My mother, Nicoletta, was a language student who had gone to the tiny town of Wisbeach, about an hour and a half north of Cambridge, to take an intensive English course. My father, Siamak, had left an increasingly unstable Tehran to attend, the tiny, to attend a university in the same tiny town. Though he was reluctant to leave Iran, he ultimately chose England because his English was his best subject in school. They were staying in the same boarding house, and their landlady, Mrs. Smith, and that's a real name, like it's not, you know, a pseudonym, introduced them to each other since they were the same age. And thus, Nicoletta and Siamak fell in love. Now, I'm not quite sure how good their English was at this stage, but they were two beautiful 19-year-olds, so they most likely were not doing much talking in the beginning of their relationship, let's be real. <laughs> so my mother had to return to Italy eventually to attend university in her hometown, Pescara, and uh, they continued seeing each other for three years, most of this time keeping the other secret from their families because they didn't think that their families would understand. Um, my, my mother would visit my dad in England under the guise of visiting other friends. My father would visit my mom in Piscata and stay in a hotel. There was no social media, so, you know, who actually, who would know, really? In this time, they grew up together, improved their English. It's weird for me to think that they actually only spoke in English to each other at this time, because now they never speak in English to each other, but they did bonded over their shared love of Simon and Garfunkel, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and Spaghetti Westerns. They're both avid film watchers and language lovers. In fact, they even learned each other's languages. My dad speaks Italian, or better yet, he speaks Pescarese. My mother enrolled in Farsi classes as soon as she met my dad. They're adorable language nerds. They're really cute. <laughs> I miss them. <laughs> They kept in touch with letters and phone calls. My father didn't have a phone in his apartment, so my mom would call a payphone, and they'd make an appointment at the payphone. Um, but sometimes my dad would run late, so strangers would answer <laughs> in a British accent. Hello. Can you imagine? No WhatsApp, no FaceTime, nothing. And they did this for three years, and they were 19. It's crazy. It's crazy pants. So they finally got married. They moved to L.A., 
then back to Italy, where my sister was born, and then back to L.A. Three years of living across the road from my old school grandparents was enough for my dad. He couldn't take any more of real life, everybody loves Raymond moments. <laughs> also, have never seen the show, but I've seen the beginning sequence, and that's enough for me to understand. So. <laughs> Both my parents, however, fiercely held on to their cultural identities. To this day, neither of them identify as American, despite living there for almost 40 years and being citizens for almost 20. Let's just say neither of them is Italian or Iranian light. <laughs> I was born in the US, the only one in my family who can technically run for president, which I might consider. <laughs> I, I was not fully aware of the fact that my upbringing was different from my peers until I changed schools when I was about 10. I went from a predominantly Latino and Filipino school, where I didn't really fit in, but you know, we were all children of migrants, um, to a school where most of the kids were Anglo. Not only this, but they were very wealthy. At my old school, my parents' new Honda was the nicest at pickup. <laughs> at my new school, they were competing with Mercedes, BMWs, and there was even a girl that would get picked up on a Harley Davidson. So I felt out of place for more reasons than one. Then. 9-11 happened. 9-11 was a turning point for many Americans for many different reasons. For me, it signaled the beginning of my grappling with my Iranian identity. Up until then, I was able to be both Iranian and Italian without much issue. Um, my friends seemed to understand my Italianness Italian much more, and they almost revered my Italianness. They'd ask me to say words in Italian. They'd ask me to talk about visits my visits to Italy, they'd gush over the Nutella I'd bring back because it wasn't available in the US at the time. I was basically a Nutella pusher, so it's a very powerful position to be in. <laughs> my Iranian identity, on the other hand, was pretty much ignored, mostly because people didn't understand it. That is, until 9-11, then everyone became an expert. Suddenly, the Middle East was on everyone's radar again, and Afghanistan, Iran, and Iraq represented one massive block of hostility, or as George Bush so lovingly called it, the axis of evil. The re this rhetoric was so pervasive, I encountered it among my 10-year-old classmates. To make matters worse, I was the new kid. The tallest kid in class, my hair started curling, my eyebrows met in the middle of my forehead, much like Iranian women depicted in Qajar portraiture. Google it, it's beautiful. Um, so I stood out in the sea of Madisons, really. <laughs> that one was good. <laughs> so the day after 9-11, 9-12, one of these Madisons took it upon herself to inform me in front of the class that her father told her that all Iranians are bad and they hate America. Well, that was news to me. For the first time in my life, I felt different and embarrassed of it. I still remember the scene. I was sitting at one of the lunch tables, surrounded by my classmates, who were standing around waiting to see what I, the strange-looking new girl, would do. Well, I did what any 10-year-old girl would do. I cried. I burst into tears, I ran home and told my mom what happened, and she proceeded to tell my teacher, every 10-year-old's nightmare. This teacher made my classmate write an apology letter, which I ripped up in her face and threw in the trash can. 
Thank you. <laughs> One of my proudest moments, <laughs> and just a small glimpse into my personality for you guys. <laughs> Sonia does not forgive. <laughs> so, the rest of my time at that school was pretty much torture. Kids used to sing, bomb, 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 Iran, to me, which ruined the Beach Boys. Um, used to tease me for my eyebrows, my big hair that I had not yet learned how to tame. There was an awkward transition period. And so the teasing became so much that my mom finally allowed me to wax just the middle, just my unibrow, because I was 10 years old. So, you know, you don't want to grow up too fast. So when my grandfather, my father's father, saw me without my unibrow, he cried. Yeah, to him, I had removed a marker of my beauty of, you know, Kajar portraiture. It, it was a beautiful thing for Iranians. But for me, this was an attempt to shape myself, my identity, so it would be more palatable to the people around me. And I haven't grown it back since. One day I'll get the courage, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> After all, my Italian side was so cool. I spoke Italian. I traveled to Italy every summer. My, my Iranian identity, on the other hand, was thorny and something that felt messy. There's a sizable Iranian community in LA, but I wasn't raised among them in Tehrangelis. It's, it's on Google Maps. It says Tehrangelis, I swear. At family gatherings with my LA-based Iranian relatives, my sister and I would hear, you are Tehranian, you're Italian. You've never been to Iran, you're Italian. If I'm not, Ital if I'm not Iranian, then why was I getting tortured at school about it? Why does my hair get extra pat down to the airport still? So I also spent long summers in my mom's hometown in Italy, and at one point even saw myself living there. I speak the language, the lifestyle is amazing, university's free, and I have close friends and family there. I grew up listening to Italian music, reading Italian books, eating al dente pasta. I felt solid in that part of my identity. However, despite my feeling at home, among friends, I was called La Americana. My features would be pointed out by well-meaning family members when they lauded my occhi orientali, oriental eyes, which for Italians is Middle Eastern. It's not very PC, I know. Um, when people made these comments, they felt undermining. They often were said during moments where I was actually starting to feel a sense of identity take shape. And just like that, it felt nebulous again. Looking back on it, I think people would make these statements because they were uncomfortable with what I was. They weren't sure where to place me, so they did it for me. It's the same sentiment that people have when they ask me to compare my cultures or when they ask me with which I identify more. A frankly stupid question that I've never been able to answer. Choosing one over the other would have been hurtful to either of my parents and would have been dishonest. Once I went to university, I started finding little corners of community. I started meeting people like me who are half European and half Middle Eastern. Turns out revolution, war, and displacement are wonderful aphrodisiacs. Who knew? <laughs> I started thinking less about choosing my identity and started embracing both. I was an anthropology major and a language minor. It's very lucrative career options I chose. <laughs> So I took classes in Middle East studies, archaeology, Italian film, lit, but both my parents also instilled in me a sense of wonder for history. To them, knowledge of history is power. 
Knowledge of your past gives you leverage against other people's stereotypes about you. This was especially true for my father, who'd always remind me of places like Persepolis and Susa when I was being teased as a kid for my heritage. I carried this with me and eventually got my master's in history, though I chose LA 20th century urban history as my topic. I chose this because I wanted to understand the city that I grew up in. And like my parents, I believe that knowledge of history gives you leverage, leverage when fighting against inequality and injustice and when advocating for social change. Eventually, my curiosity about Iran grew, and I visited with my dad three years ago. When we landed in Tehran, I instantly thought of a landlocked LA, a huge sprawling city at the foot of a massive mountain range. After visiting the neighborhood he grew up in, I finally understood his draw to my hometown, a city called Rancho Cucamonga. It's about an hour east of LA. The most striking thing about Rancho is its backdrop. I had a glorious mountain range at my shoulders while I was growing up, which I sorely miss today. The view from my dad's childhood home was not unlike mine. I took this for granted, but my baba has always been in awe of it. He used to take us up to the up into the mountains to have picnics on the weekends, and I later learned that his baba would do the same in Tehran's Alborz Mountains. That trip to Iran is always one I'll remember fondly because it served as a validation. Seeing the customs and behaviors that I had been raised with reenacted all around me made me feel that I didn't need to try so hard to shape my identity or and my Iranian identity or any aspect of my identity for the matter. I was already Iranian. The sense of generosity, hospitality, and respect that I had ingrained in me was not circumstantial, but rather an integral part of Iranian culture. Even my father's love of picnics was not unique. In fact, it's pretty much a national pastime. Seriously, if there is a patch of grass, Iranians will picnic on it. <laughs> I saw a family in Shiraz picnicking on a road median once with cars zooming around them. It's amazing. We're, we're determined people. <laughs> Moving to Australia, to Australia, I've had to re-reckon with my identity. It's been really fun. <laughs> My accent is usually an obvious giveaway to where I'm from. Come on, it's embarrassingly Californian. I've even met actors who've wanted to get a coffee with me to practice their, their American accent training. <laughs> yeah. So when, Australian ask, when Australians ask me to answer questions about being an American, I have a hard time doing so. I wasn't raised American. I had my first peanut butter and jelly sandwich when I was 18 years old. Our home is covered in Persian rugs and filled with Italian film. Uh, I've never had a Twinkie. I spend Saturday mornings of my teenage years attending Farsi class, and my family eats kebab on the 4th of July. That's kebab in Farsi, by the way. <laughs> All these things make it difficult to answer questions about being an American. However, forgive me if I don't feel like diving deeper into my identity with strangers in shops when they tell me that they detect a bit of an American accent. <laughs> It's a long conversation. It's like 18 pages. <laughs> so, just as I was coming to terms with being Iranian, Italian, in America, I decided to throw a wrench into it all and come to Australia. Why Australia, you may ask? Well, I did it for love. I know. <laughs> 
And I guess I made the right move because we're getting married next month in my, yeah, I know it's pretty cute. <laughs> in, my grandpa's in my grandpa's village in Italy. And to throw another wrench into it, my husband-to-be, who's here tonight taking photos, um, he's Lebanese-Australian. So, hello. <laughs> so, yes, we're going to have a picturesque, small-town Italian wedding with our big, fat, Italian, Iranian, American, Lebanese, Australian family. <laughs> Thank you.